Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me, on the mic, hosting an episode where I share recent reflection or story from my own life, as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Welcome to Dear 20-something, where I interview successful changemakers about their 20s and share some reflections from my own life. Today on the solo episode, I will be chatting about bootstrapping versus raising VC money for your startup, or for a startup, I guess. doesn't necessarily have to be yours. This is a topic that I get asked a lot, and I have some strong opinions on. And so I want to also be very clear from the beginning that like these are my opinions, and that you can do whatever you want, and other people may disagree with me. This is not the only way to think about it, but this is how I think about it. Because this is a topic that I think really actually has a lot of polarizing opinions around it, and I'm just going to share from my own experience, being a bootstrapped founder, being a VC, and then now with the thing I'm doing, which is sort of a kind of a weird blend of both. Okay, so... I'm going to start with quickly my story so you can understand my perspective. I've started three companies and all of them have been bootstrapped. The first company, we sort of nipped it in the bud before it ever became anything, but I used the money I had for my internship to invest in product, get a trademark, get a seller's permit, all that stuff. And just tinkered in the kitchen. It was a food product. I knew that it would require a lot of money to actually scale and rent a commercial kitchen and do the whole thing. I think if I had gotten to the point where I knew that I wanted to really scale it up, I would have maybe, maybe, maybe raised funding, but I don't think I would have. I think I knew at that point that I had a lot to learn still and the idea of taking other people's money felt like a huge responsibility, which it is. And I want that to be like the main takeaway that people have from this conversation is like, if you take other people's money, that is like a gigantic responsibility that should not be taken lightly. And I don't know why it's taken as lightly as it is. So I, with that first company, I decided to sell it to a competitor, sell parts of it to a competitor and never really scaled it. I also knew in the back of my mind that like this probably wasn't the company I was going to scale because I didn't have the capital to do so. And I wanted to build a company that like didn't require a crazy amount of capital where I could just like learn. Because I think that's a really important thing, especially for entrepreneurs, is like if you are truly an entrepreneur at your core, you just want to build and learn and like understand the nuances of business. And like you can start small. You don't need to like come out the gates with like a million dollar pre-seed round and hire a whole team and do a whole thing. Like 
if you truly just want to build, like think about the people that start with a lemonade stand or selling cookies door to door, a painting business or whatever, like you start small. And I think more people need to do that. And I think a sign of a great entrepreneur is someone who has already done that before they ever think about raising external capital. Um, So that was the first company. And then I took the very small amount of profit from that sale to the competitor mixed with more internship money and started my next company. So that's another thing that I tell people, like you should be working hard at like an internship or a job and funneling that money into the company. You shouldn't need to raise from other people at all for your first company, in my opinion. That second company, like I said, I took the small profits from the previous one, internship money, and I worked really hard and built it. For that one too, I never raised outside capital and I just kept funneling the profits back into the business. I picked a business model intentionally for that second one that wasn't going to require a crazy amount of capital and it was going to be profitable pretty early on. So yeah, then I pivoted the business a bit, still kept it very profitable, actually made it even more profitable because I was doing drop shipping and was able to sell that business for a very little bit as well. Then I took that money and I funneled it into the third business. So I'm not going, I won't necessarily go into the details of the first business, second business. It doesn't really matter. But the point is that like, With each business, I took the profits and funneled them into the next one mixed with internship, job, all that other stuff and learned with each company. And what I also say too is like you learn to play with bigger and bigger numbers and you like earn the right to be able to. So like my first company, I was playing in the like hundreds and the thousands. Then in my second company, I was playing in the like the thousands and the tens of thousands. Then my third company, I was playing in the like hundreds of thousands and then millions and you, you don't earn the right to like make more or do more, in my opinion, until you've kind of played in like the smaller leagues, if that makes sense. Now, of course, you're going to have these like anomalies where like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg comes out the gate and like builds Facebook, right? Like obviously, but I don't really think that's how business building and business learning works. Like I think you really need to like start small, learn a lot, create a lot of failures, like ask dumb questions, like listen to the podcasts, like, you know, do the things. And then it's like, okay, you learned, you got your, hopefully your money back or or more or not. Right. And then you start the next thing and you get to like move up and you like almost like graduate to the next level. And then the third company, I was so much better off, so much more confident, totally understood risk, understood capital so much more because of the other two. I think that's really, 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 really important. For that third company, I used a combination of cash and credit cards. And I say that because it's the truth. It was in some ways a form of debt, right? Because I was basically putting money on credit cards that I knew I was going to pay back. And I got 0% interest for 15 months, opening a few credit cards, whatever. You should not use credit cards unless you really, 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 really understand credit and you really understand what you're doing. I luckily had a mentor who helped me with that. But even still, like, it was on me. Like, I mean, technically it was like on the bank, but like I wasn't taking anyone else's money. I was like, okay, I have to pay back everything I put on these cards in 15 months. My projections show I'll do it in eight months. And I believe I ended up like doing it in 10. So I had like five months leeway. So it's completely fine. And I paid no interest, but you have to really understand what you're getting into before you do it. And for me, like 
that's almost the step in between like having cash in the bank and taking VC funding. Like, again, it can be really disastrous if you put money on credit cards and you don't pay it back and like debt can accrue. It's, just, it's terrible. It, interest can accrue and it's so bad. But that's what I did for the third business. And then I paid it off in 10 months. And then now it's just cash. Now, to be very clear, like these businesses are not generating hundreds of millions of dollars, right? But I've been learning business fundamentals. I've been learning sales. I've been learning marketing. I've been learning ops. I've been learning all these things by building on my own and doing it on the side. And then my day job was working at a startup as a really early employee, working at a fund as a really early employee, all that good stuff. So anyway, I say this because my story is one where I bootstrapped three companies and I think it taught me so much of the business of fundamentals that I could not have learned if I just like had a huge cash infusion in the bank, didn't even really know what to do with it, had no clue what product market fit even meant, which is the truth. When you start your first business, you don't even know what that means. You don't know what product market fit is until you build a business that either does or doesn't have it. You only know product market fit the second time around. And like, I feel very strongly about that. So that's, that's how I think about bootstrapping. That's my story. I then worked at a fund, like I said, during the day. I saw what founders were looking for funding. I saw which founders got funding. I didn't always agree with the ones that got the funding and not that necessarily I'm the one to decide, right? I don't always have the right answers, but I think a lot more people seek funding than really should get it and take it. People aren't willing to be scrappy enough. I think that was also the market, right? Like money was just everywhere and people now are being scrappier, but yeah, I saw the VC side too. And then now with the thing I'm building, I see the VC side even more. Okay, that's my story. I hope that adds some color to my perspective and why I have the opinions that I do. <laughs> but again, there are the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world who their first thing out the gate, they crush it. It's all good. Wish them the best. But I don't think that's most people. The next thing I wanted to talk about is how 99% of companies are not meant for venture scale. That 99% is a number that I am putting out there. Maybe it's like 98%. I don't know the exact number. But so many of the companies that we know and love don't ever take venture funding and don't ever need venture funding. Like venture funding is for a very unique type of company that can scale very fast and return money at a crazy multiple. Typically, typically a pre-seed round of financing, they are projecting out so that you at least get a 100x multiple on your money, that there is a possibility that that could happen. 100x. Again, this is the average. Not every fund is that way. Some funds don't think that way. But So the market has to be big enough. The problem you're tackling has to be big enough. And you have to do it quick enough, which is the other thing, time. So the venture scale model isn't for every company. And I don't think people, enough people talk about that. Like there is nothing wrong with having an amazing, amazing company that either teaches you a lot or gives you cash in the bank that you've built on your own that doesn't require someone else's money to do so. Once you take investor money, you're expected to exit. I think people forget this. Like taking on investor money isn't just like, okay, great. Now what? You can't just bleed it dry. Like you have to send frequent updates. You have to be available to answer questions pretty much whenever the VC has. I mean, hopefully they're not being down your throats, but sometimes they are, especially if they're not hearing from you. And they want to see that 100x return. And they want to see it fast. So it's not like, oh my gosh, you get you know VC funding and all is good and great. You better know what you're doing with that money. You better get on it. And you better return it. 
And like that pressure is not for everyone, especially people who love the art of building businesses, like which I do, you know, like I love just building because I love talking to customers and building something of value that someone's going to pay for and then pricing it such that I can make some money off of it and then it can scale. Like I love the art of business building and not everyone needs to go the venture route that feels the way I feel. If you bootstrap, you have the freedom of time. I'll be honest, like with one of my companies, I there was a month where I had to give a TED Talk and I was like pretty out of commission for that month. I had to memorize the whole talk. It was very stressful. And I, it still like gives me nightmares when I think about it because it was so stressful to memorize the whole 20 minute talk. And like I pulled back a bit on the business and like that was okay. I was able to do that. I just coasted. I didn't try to grow sales. I didn't try to decrease. I just coasted and did enough to get by. And that was fine because I wasn't trying to return anyone's capital. I didn't have any outside investors. It was just me. And so I really think that's something people need to think more about as well. I think also there's nothing wrong with experimenting outside of your day job. Again, granted, it depends what your day job is, right? I had a job that at one point like wouldn't allow me to do things outside. Like when I was at the fund I was at, there were like some restrictions around like what I was able to do outside of the fund or towards the end of my time there, there was like, you can't always, but if you're allowed to experiment, if you're allowed to put some of your extra savings each month into a company, if you're allowed to tinker on the weekends and the evenings and build something cool, then do it. You don't have to drop everything, go raise VC money, completely scale. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself and that's not the only way it has to be done. Now, these are the, the okay, so that's kind of my thoughts on like 99% of companies are not meant for venture scale. Now, these are some of the things that, these are some of the reasons to raise VC funding. And these are not comprehensive, but this is everything I could think of. Ideally, when you've started other businesses before and you have a good sense of the capital that you need to scale. Maybe it wasn't you exactly that started something. Maybe you were an early employee. But... I really don't think people's first business should be taking on venture dollars. I really, really don't. Maybe you've started your own consulting agency or you've started your own drop shaping business like I did or your own something. Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy. But if you're a true entrepreneur and like you, you should have been tinkering already. There should have been things that we can point to that we can say, oh, they are very gritty. They are very entrepreneurial. They're not just like trying to get a bunch of money because they can, because they're smart, because they're likable, because they understand the market, whatever. I think another reason you should take VC funding is if it's a very capital intensive business. So if you're going to hold inventory, again, not always do you use the venture capital funding for that, but often you do, especially in the early stages when things are not as complicated. So if you're starting like a CPG company or a hardware company and you really need to pay for like equipment or inventory, like, again, you don't always spend venture dollars on that. You can come up with unique structures of financing other ways. But like that would be another reason to think about taking venture funding if you kind of can't do it without and to even just go to market and test something, you need venture funding. I think another reason to raise VC funding is when you have that network in VC. I think it's really hard. Unfortunately, I think it's really hard to raise money from VC funds and VCs 
if you don't already know people in VC. So there's nothing wrong with like you being a founder, knowing that's something that's on your timeline and building that network slowly before you even start the raise. Like, I think that's a very smart way to go about it. If you have that network, it gives you options. And so, but if you don't have that network, I think it's significantly harder to raise VC funding. So that's all I'm saying. Just because you have a network doesn't mean you should raise VC funding. Like you shouldn't just like take your friend's money or your friend's fund's money. But if you have that network, I think you have a much better chance of being successful at raising money. And so it's something to consider. Another reason you should raise VC funding is if you are fully ready to commit the next 10 years of your life to building that company. And I know that sounds like crazy, but you really should be in it for 10 years. And I say that because when I think about those companies that I bootstrapped, I was very much in the like, yeah, a couple years. But this isn't like the thing that I want to like sacrifice family time for sometimes and the thing that like I want to be my like legacy and the thing that I want to be what I'm known for. Like some of the stuff I built was like sort of random cool businesses I knew I could make money off of, but it wasn't like this is my purpose. This is the thing that I want to do. And again, not all companies have to be that way, but if you're taking venture funding, we're expecting that crazy high return, right? And we're expecting it quickly. Like it should be something that you really can see yourself devoting the next 10 years of your life to. Otherwise, don't take VC funding and just bootstrap it. But like you really got to know what you're signing up for because like the expectation from the VCs is that like this is this is the next 10 years of your life mapped out for sure. If all goes according to plan, 100%. And you'd be more than happy and actually ecstatic if you could do it for 10 years and do nothing else. That's the other thing actually I didn't list but is something I should mention like if you're taking VC funding, you like really shouldn't be having any other companies or any other things. Of course, you can have a podcast or like if you're a musician, you can like, you know, still sing on weekends or whatever. But like if you run triathlons, go do that. Right. But like you can't have multiple businesses. You can't have multiple things like it has to be your full focus. Because the expectations are so high. I, this is kind of the last point that I made on this, but you should raise VC funding when you know you can go to bed at night knowing you're responsible for other people's money. And like, again, if you handle it right, you're always honest, you're always transparent. If things don't work out, it'll be okay. The right investors will know that that's like part of the game. But like, it's very hard to describe to someone what it's like to have other people's money in your possession to spend wisely and then get a return on unless you've done it. And like, I will speak as someone now, again, I can't go into details about what I'm doing, but like this next opportunity for me and this next thing that I'm building is requiring me to take outside funding. And like, I will be honest and say that like the first time someone said that they were going to give me a certain amount of money was like so anxiety provoking and so overwhelming. And like, I remember vividly, I was like, so, <laughs> I was so overwhelmed I drove, I was like, I need to get out of my apartment. I drove to Coffee Bean. I sat, I got myself a drink and I just sat in the car and I was like, what is going on? Am I really able to do this? Now, I think that it's a sign that I care and that I'll do a good job with the money and I am ready to do this, but like, it's a lot. Like, it's a lot, a lot, a lot. It's a lot. People work so hard in this world. I mean, people, for the most part, pay a lot in taxes it's hard to buy a house. It's hard to buy things in this, especially in this economy, like every dollar counts. And so for someone to be giving you their hard earned dollars, I don't care who it comes from. I don't care if it's an angel. I don't care if it's a VC. I don't care if it's some rich guy in some family office. Like 
or rich girl in some family office, right? But like, it doesn't matter. Every dollar is so important. And there's such a weight and a responsibility to taking that on and being a good steward of that money that like, I really do not think you should raise any VC funding until you've really come to terms with the responsibility of that. Like, I really, you got to have a good relationship with money. You've got to be okay. And also like a real confidence in yourself and a real humility in yourself to be able to do that. And it's something that I'll be, I'm, I'm working on totally like that in that moment, it was really overwhelming for me. And I obviously didn't say it on the screen when I was talking to this person, but like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is real now. This person knows that this, I'm going to grow this money, right? That's the expectation that it'll be a good steward of it. So I just wish more people took taking other people's money seriously. I spoke to someone today who, lovely person, young entrepreneur, has not built anything yet. Very ambitious, very smart, very likable, all the things. Hasn't built a business yet, still very early in career, and asked me, how to raise and speak to angels, to raise around. And I spoke with this person and I, I, was, I said kind of what I've said here, like, you haven't built anything, you know? Like the intention is good. You're very smart. You're very ambitious, but go build something. Maybe test to see if there's even customer demand for your idea. Maybe build a wait list, right? Like start small. But this idea of like raising from a bunch of angels or raising a pre-seed round when there isn't that history and there isn't that like real love of building or that like experience building even a bit. Again, I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I think it's just, it's irresponsible. And it's something that I think, especially for like the younger generations too. Listen, I'm not like super old and whatever, but like I built so many things. And I've built so many things without the help of anyone else. And like, I think more people need to think that way because that's when you really learn. It's not because there's any like rite of passage or hazing or anything like that. It's because that's when you really learn. That's when you know you'll be a better steward of the money because you've learned the mistakes. If you get given a bunch of money tomorrow, like you're not, you're not going to learn as much. So those are my thoughts. I think any choice you make will teach you something. All you can do is listen to your gut, listen to what feels right, listen to feedback from other people. I certainly don't have all the answers. <laughs> you know, I'm certainly still figuring it out, but I do see there tends to be more of a pattern of more people wanting to raise money than they need to. And hopefully this recession really inspires people to just get back to the building, you know? Like the love of just building business and like talking to customers and building something that people want. Like ultimately, that's all business is, is like building something that people want that they will pay more for than the initial cost or, you know, and when it's broken in its parts, right? They will pay more for it because you're offering something of value, whether it's a service or a product or anything like that. So anyway, those are my thoughts. I'm saying this as someone who was a bootstrapped founder who also actually, I, I won't go into the details, but have also the startup that I was a part of early did have, we, we took on someone else's money, um, but it was one angel investor. So it's a little bit of a different thing that I didn't discuss here, but felt very bootstrapped and then has worked in VC and then is now building something while taking on other people's money. So 
I think I've seen it from a few different sides. I would love to hear your opinions on this. If you've listened to this episode and you either agree or you don't agree, let me know. I think this is, it's a gray issue, but my experience has led me to have these opinions that I do. So send me a DM on Twitter. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And yeah, happy building. If this is you and you're starting something and you're navigating bootstrapping versus feasy funding, you know, you got this. Alrighty. Talk soon, guys.